Hi, we're Steve and Cindy Wright with Marriage Missions International, and this is our monthly Marriage Insight podcast. This time we're going to be sharing with you de-escalating fights in marriage, and I'd like to pray for us before we get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you give us insight and wisdom, and what you've taught Cindy and me over the nearly 48 years we've been married, with all the mistakes we've made, we pray that as we share these principles today, that the hearts, the minds, and every part of the people who are listening to this will be changed and helped in their own marriages. And we want to give you praise in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're going to start this podcast with confession time. We did not fight in healthy ways with each other in the first years of our marriage. In fact, Steve and my approach to fighting was actually quite toxic. It was all about winner take all. It was anything but healthy. We yelled, we screamed, we acted absolutely childish. We were not an example that we would want to put forth for anybody to see. And we are not proud of any part of that whatsoever. That's why we're confessing it to you. If we could take a giant eraser and erase those tirades, we would. Oh, if we only had that power, but we can't. But what we can do, however, is we can help others to learn from our mistakes and hopefully guide a little bit. And we've done some research in that that has helped us with our tirades so that we don't have them anymore, so that we do de-escalate, and also helped us so that we are healthier. And that's why we're speaking on the subject of de-escalating marital fights. We hope it's going to help others to get onto a healthier path of handling their disagreements, just like God is showing us how to do this with ours. So first, what is de-escalation? And that's probably obvious to most of you, but just in case, here goes. De-escalation is a way of calming down the situation before it spirals out of control. It's a simple concept, but it's really hard to do. The goal is to stop the disagreement from going to a place where it's toxic. We've heard it said that, and here's a quote, it is a good strategy to use before someone gets angry or when someone is just starting to get upset or they're in a very intense situation. And that's what we want to emphasize before it gets bad, before someone is starting to get really upset, that you need to start learning how to de-escalate. And even if you are in an intense situation, you realize, oh my goodness, we're here because Steve and I have done that and we've thought, we know better than this, and yet sometimes we have to de-escalate in the midst of an intense situation. And Steve and I can attest to that. We've learned to step back before it gets to the poisonous situation. And that's not easy, especially when you've done it for so many years and you've seen it modeled for you in poisonous ways for so many years. When you're mad, you want to let your spouse have it. And Steve and I got into an argument even yesterday and I had to learn how to calm myself down and, okay, this is not the worst thing in the world we can do this, we can listen to each other as well as talk. Some spouses explode and some spouses retreat back and they implode or other spouses will clam up and that's not healthy either. The exploding is not healthy and neither is the retreating back and imploding or the clamming up rather than exploding. But we're going to talk about that at another time. For this time, we want to explore about 
how to de-escalate when it's an explosion type of situation. Now, if you want to learn more about the others before we get to talking about that at another, another point in the future, you can just go into the communication and conflict topic of our website. But for now, we're going to be talking about de-escalating information. So first, what we want to do, though, is we want to preface all of this. We realize that some of you are in abusive marriages, and if you are, we recommend that you visit the abuse in marriage topic of our website. Pray, read, glean through the info that's presented there. We send you off into other websites and other places because we don't have all the information. When you're dealing with abuse, it's not a one-size-fits-all situation when it comes to advice. Use what you can and throw away the rest. We have a lot of different information there, and it's not all just tailored just for you. It's for a lot of different types of people. What we're talking about here in this particular marriage insight is normal, even intense type of fighting. Steve and I didn't get into abuse, although some people might look at it as abuse when you're yelling and screaming. I have a tendency to get that way now because I'm not used to it. But we used to yell and scream and and even, you know, a couple of times I tried throwing things. But you know what? You have to clean up what you throw, so that wasn't worth it either. Even so, you have to prayerfully examine what is stated and personally discern if it's advice that you should take. So as we begin to give you some tips on things to help this work better in your relationship, we want to say that if they're used before a fight gets ramped up, that's the best way. Sometimes they do work even in the midst of a blow-up, but mostly they work better when you apply them beforehand. And we're going to explain more as we go on. So here goes. The following are some tips that we, Cindy and me, have found that have helped us to turn our heated arguments into healthier directions. They've also helped many others, and we want you to see what you think. The first tip comes from marriagetrack.com. It's an article that starts out by explaining in tiny portions of why it's important to de-escalate your conflicts. The first is this. De-escalating is incredibly important when engaging in conflict with your spouse. When you get angry, your body's fight-or-flight system, that's the sympathetic nervous system, gets activated. You have an increased heart rate, rapid breathing, and a spike in energy hormones your brain begins to act differently as well. The center of the brain, largely responsible for emotions such as fear and anger, immediately begins to light up. When the center of your brain lights up during a state of arousal such as anger, there is decreased activity in the frontal lobe of your brain. This lobe is responsible for decision-making and planning. Now, one of the reasons conflict tends to go unresolved in these states of arousal is that we lose the ability to think clearly. And I can attest to that personally. It becomes much easier to blow things out of proportion and place blame on others, including your spouse. The first step to begin the de-escalation process is to remove yourself from the situation. What this means is that you go into another room in the house or take a walk around the block. If you've been through this before, then you know that you won't resolve the conflict when you're frustrated. In fact, it becomes easy to make things worse as you become angrier. Removing yourself from the situation helps to prevent 
more damage and begin to gain control over your anger. And once you've calmed down, you can return to your spouse and resolve the conflict without anger controlling your words. Now we realize that you don't have all power here. It does take two to fight. Your spouse has a responsibility in how he or she handles conflicting matters as well. And hopefully, prayerfully, you can influence your spouse to approach conflict in healthy ways. And that's our hope for you. And that's our prayer that God will talk to your spouse and he or she would listen. But what we're talking about here is personal responsibility. It's also our prayer that God's going to talk to you, and it's our hope that you're going to listen and respond and do things God's way. You have a choice just like your spouse has a choice. We have free wills, but we all must take personal responsibility for our actions. You see that throughout the Bible. God is talking to us personally. We must all take personal responsibility for our actions. You see that throughout the Bible. We're told in the Bible, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. That's found in Romans 12, 18. So as far as it depends on you, do your part. Now, you're, if you look at the verse, the, that particular verse in the Bible, you'll see before it and after it, you'll see a lot of different things that it will say. In verse 17, we're given parameters that God is expecting us to follow. He says, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Now, again, that's a personal responsibility. You're going to find more instructions before and after, and, and I hope that you're going to go back and you're going to read it. We encourage you to take personal responsibility with it. When it comes to de-escalating, keep in mind the biochemical changes that occur when a person is angrily ramped up. Now, Steve referred to some of them from the previous tip, but there's more. In fact, as we talk about these, there's some more tips that Greg Baker explains. When someone is angry, you won't even be able to rationalize with them. It is possible to calm someone down to a point where you can rationalize with them, but until they're calm, you will not be able to point out ways to help them. Remember this, your goal is not to expose their erroneous thinking process. Instead, it is to get them to a place where they are willing to listen. Angry people just don't listen. Have you ever argued with someone and both of you were angry? What were you trying and able to accomplish? In most cases, you didn't even listen to what the other person had to say. Your anger just propelled you on with little regard to what the other person was saying. So, remember this. The first step in dealing with someone's anger is to focus on getting them to calm down and reach a place where you can help. Now, when fighting starts to escalate, calling a timeout is the healthiest thing to do. And that's what works for us. Steve will call a timeout or I'll call a timeout. I'll say, Steve, I just need a few minutes or... Steve will say, I need a few minutes. Sometimes we'll just take a few moments to, to calm down. Other times we're going to take a little bit longer. 
And if it's getting late at night, we might take even longer. Now, I want to preface something here. We don't allow ourselves to let the sun go down on our anger. It's important for you to know that because we've had some different people say that, how they'll just stay up to like three in the morning. They'll, they'll just fight all through the night. They'll just keep going and keep going because they don't want the sun to go down on their anger. And so they're going to resolve it. But what we've found is sometimes it's important to table it. And so we don't let the sun go down our, on our anger we call it before so what we'll do is we'll say you know what it's starting to get late and so we need to take a time out and we actually have a an article about um, about that very concept it's it's titled going to bed angry and we have a lot of different tips in there because what we've learned to do is because sometimes we'll have to say stop we're gonna get back to this tomorrow and then this is hard, especially for me. I have to turn my mind off and stop feeding the anger towards Steve. I have to stop thinking about the situation. Right then, my job becomes going to sleep instead of the argument that I'm going to talk to Steve about. But again, there's more in that particular article. If you want to read more, we have a link to it. What we want to do, though, is say that sometimes it's good to to just call a truce. And we need to make sure that we do actually come back and we do discuss it later. However, when you do this, you want to make sure that you visit the matter again at, at a designated time. And you want to make sure that you steer clear of halt times. Now, those are times when either one of you is hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Because if one of you is hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, usually it is not going to go in a good direction. So stay away from those kind of times. But do come back. Do talk about it again at another time. And you may even need to revisit it several times. That's hard for some people to think of. No, I want to resolve it right now. Let's just get it over with. Sometimes it's better to chew it in short segments than it is to, do, to just keep plowing through it. And or you may need to agree to disagree. Even so, find ways to marry your differences in different ways so that it is agreeable for both of you. You both can live with the situation that you have come to. So here's what marriage.com says. They say, when you feel that moment of anger, turn to your anger exit strategy. It's a mouthful, but it's, a, it's an important point, an anger exit strategy. Take the anger bomb somewhere safe. Take it to somewhere away from your marriage partner where you can diffuse it or release it in whatever way works best for you. Now, again, with marriage.com, they said it may involve going on a long run or maybe getting in a good workout at the gym or taking a walk in the park, or maybe it's having a good talk with a close friend. Now make sure that that friend cares about your marriage. Make sure that your spouse will not be embarrassed about the situation with you talking with that friend. Make sure that they're one that will keep a confidence in everything. And make sure that they have the same belief system as you do as far as being a Christian that because I've seen real problems when Christians and non-Christians get together when you're talking about that type of situation with your spouse. Now, it also may be, as the article goes on, it says, or hanging out in a nice setting. Um, it could be a park or whatever. You can do meditative, prayerful breathing or listen to music. I know people that, that listen to praise music and it gets them into a better place. But the important thing is 
that it is a, an anger exit strategy that will help you so that you don't blow up. It's like what they say in the article. It says, what does an anger exit strategy look like? It's essentially a calm, pre-planned alternative to blowing up or storming off wordlessly. And do you hear that? Pre-planned. Sometimes think about some of the things that you could do if you have a tendency to explode, some things you could do ahead of time so that maybe when you're in that situation, you can set that in motion. We know we're giving you and feeding you a lot of information about things that you could or should do to try to de-escalate anger in your marriage. And on this de-escalating matter of taking time out, Trish Alderman in a Life Strategies article recommends a couple of things too. She says, first of all, take a break. There are physiological changes in our body in the midst of conflict, and it takes time for those freeze, flight, or fight responses to diminish. Sometimes the best way to de-escalate conflict is to first take care of the physical and emotional reactions, like breathing deeply to relax, take a walk, or distract yourself with a game like Sudoku or Solitaire. I know you do that. <laughs> never in a thousand years would I do that you have your different ways I have my different ways of relaxing the important thing is just give yourself the time and space necessary to be able to come back to the problem with renewed energy and a clear head so the question will often come up to us what if your spouse doesn't want to take a break well sometimes your spouse won't want to take a time out he or she feels like the issue just needs to be resolved right then. Some spouses do dig in their heels and they want to fight it out. But as far as it depends upon you, is what scripture says, do what you can to convince him or her that it is to their best interest to let you remove yourself from the argument at that time. I've told Steve at different times, trust me, you won't want to go further with this matter at this time. I need a break. Things are going to get ugly if I don't get one. I need to talk to God first before we talk any further about this. Because what I found is when I go into another room and I talk to God about it, he calms me down and, and lets me know, now wait a minute, Cindy, you need to be listening to what Steve says. You need to also listen as well as talk to him. You can't say that in mean ways to him. Steve sometimes has tried to push the matter a few, a few times here or there, especially earlier in our marriage, but he has also learned not to do that because it does get ugly. And sometimes I'm a fool. Sometimes I foolishly push him. And again, when I push him and he's not in a place where he can talk about it good, it does get ugly. Both of us are wrong when we push the other person. Actually, what we have discovered is when we're pushing each other to talk about something or plow through it and get this argument over, we're pushing the other to sin when we push at them to respond when they've asked us to give them time to recompose. You have to know your spouse. You have to know when it is a time when you should push and when it's a time not to. We're told in the Bible to be angry and do not sin. Our spouse shouldn't push us to keep arguing when our mindset isn't in a good place. We'll have more of a tendency to walk into that sin. But we shouldn't push them to do that 
either. If you can't get your spouse to back off, and hopefully you can, after a while I convinced Steve he saw it a few times and he went, whoa, okay, I'm not going to push at her anymore. And I've done the same thing. If you, But if you can't get your spouse to back off, try at least to get your spouse to pause. Practice the pause. We've talked about that in, in past Marriage Insight. Practice the pause for a few minutes. Even if you feel you need more time, take a few moments and ask him or her, if possible, if this would work for you, to hold hands and pray with you before you proceed any further. And that does help. Steve and I will do that. Sometimes we'll be in the middle of an argument and he'll go, let's pray. This is not going in a good way. So we'll pray in, instead and we'll silently join hand and we'll join hands with God and with each other. And then we go off in a different way and a much healthier way. But if your spouse won't pray for you, then take a moment to practice the pause and you silently join hands with God in praying for a composed, wise thinking, and listening approach. Even a short prayer genuinely lifted up can help. Jesus is the Prince of Peace and we've got to call on him in those situations. He certainly can usher in peace in any type of situation. Try it. Ask him for an exit strategy. Ask him for a way of escape if you need it, just momentarily to just take a breath. You know, something Cindy said, too, about that a lot of women, she did this for a while, and a lot of women want to pursue their husbands when they're in a conflict, and they want to be able to resolve that conflict. And a lot of you, you don't realize that most of us men, we are retreaters when it comes to conflict. We just do not want to engage in conflict to begin with, let alone try and resolve something when it gets ramped up. So please take it and take that advice from Cindy that you don't pursue your husband if things are starting to get out of hand because it's not going to end well in that situation. And sometimes it's men that will do that with their wives. Again, some women need to recompose their thoughts. So it can be both ways. And you may have a spouse that needs to really think about it before it goes on, before they can really come up with an answer that they really need to be able to give you. So again, give each other grace and space when it's needed. But I also want to say to the husbands too, be careful about retreating. Because that is not going to work well for you in the long run in resolving conflict. So this is why we're trying to give you these tips to help you to de-escalate anger so that you can actually process through the argument in a healthy way. So here's a few more tips for you when your marital conflict needs de-escalating. And this first one is given by Marnie Fureman. She said this, watch your body language and tone. Painful, destructive confrontations do not just consist of hurtful words and insults. Shouting and screaming or an aggressive standoffish stance can do just as much damage as harsh words spoken. And sometimes, without even noticing it, a person will raise their tone or they'll adopt a belligerent stance. Key here, pay attention to how you hold yourself. Also, Speak in a calm, polite voice. Maintaining a friendly attitude will indicate that you do not want the argument to escalate. When he's talking about body language, the first thought came to me is, 
rolling of the eyes. We have seen spouses do that. The other, one spouse will talk and the other will roll their eyes. And that is so dismissive and so hurtful. You need to be respectful. So here's another tactic to de-escalate your fights. And this one's given by David Oliver. He said, make your voice softer. One way to calm your loved one down is to make your voice softer. This forces them to have to stop and listen to what you're saying. I want to pause for a few seconds here. I want to say that this does work. I've used this before with uh, kids, and I remember so well I had a teacher that used to do that. All the other teachers used to yell and scream. Sometimes you'd go in the halls and you could hear them saying, quiet down, quiet down, kids. My teacher instead would make her voice quieter and all of us would kind of look. We didn't know what to do with her at that point. And it worked really well. You never heard a voice that was raised there. And it's the same with our, our spouse too. Now, I'm saying this to you. If your spouse is hearing this too, that means maybe he will use it or maybe she will use it. And if they use it where it's making their voice quieter, do not call your spouse down on it. Another tool that comes from David Oliver says, and stay calm yourself. The calmer you are, the better the chances are that your loved one will get calm as well. It may not happen right away, but given time, this can work. It will at least keep your stress level lower, and it can give you more of a chance to think of a way out if you need one. Now, I want to tell you that this comes from an article. David Oliver wrote this article titled, The Fastest Way to Deal with Your Loved One's Bipolar Anger. And I wanted to point that out to you because we have a lot of listeners that come to our website that are dealing with a spouse that has bipolar, and that takes things on a whole different level. We have a lot of those types of links in that within our communication and conflict topic. And also, I have a link to that particular article, and he has more on bipolar. So I, I just wanted to give you a heads up about that. Also, beware of right fighting. Now, this is something that Steve and I have, have discovered we were both doing, and most couples actually do it. You actually fall into a pattern of fighting with your spouse until we are sure that he or she hears us and knows that we are right in this. And when you get into that, you risk the danger of escalating the conflict when you hang on to that stance of being unwilling to back off until your spouse states that you are right. And again, we have another article on that, and that is also on our website. So you can, there's a link to it so you can find out more about the right fighting and how not to get into that trap. So the question is, are you handling a volatile situation? In closing, this de-escalating info comes from the Good Men Project article. They say, are there ways to handle volatile situations? There is no perfect way to calm an explosive moment, but rehearsing and memorizing a couple of phrases to say during explosive times can help to break a negative cycle. The goals are, one, to calm things down, to de-escalate the fight before it gets worse. And that's the important thing is before. And there are times when you can tell that your heart rate is starting to go up that's the time to, to kick that, those types of strategies in. Also, make sure you communicate that you're not abandoning or trying to punish your spouse because that can also be another 
kind of tool, another game that we will play. And again, this is not about children. This is about grown-ups who are married. Now, we realize that this is not an all-inclusive solution. But what we do believe is it's a good start to help you on the journey to arguing with each other in healthy ways. This may sound odd, but arguing is actually a normal thing for married couples to do within reason. Now, I'll tell you a secret of mine. I grew up in a home where I never saw my parents argue once. I thought married couples shouldn't or never argued. So when Cindy and I got married and we started to argue, I thought something is seriously wrong here. But we learned and it took time, but it did help. So arguing is actually a normal thing for married couples to do within reason. But it also can get out of hand. And yes, it's normal to disagree with each other, but it's what you do with those disagreements that determines if you're handling them in healthy ways. Overall, your disagreements will either draw you closer together as you resolve your differences, or they will cause damage to your relationship. If your fights need de-escalating, make this your mission. Do what you can to calm things down. Find ways to marry your differences. You are marriage partners, after all, not adversaries. Keep your priorities aligned with God's as peacemakers. As we're told in 2 Peter 1, verse 2, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Well, that concludes this Marriage Insight podcast, but we have a reminder for you. If you'd like to hear other podcasts of Marriage Insights, or if you're looking for more help for your marriage, just go to our website. It's marriagemissions.com. And Cindy and I also wrote the book called Seven Essentials to Grow Your Marriage. It's available both in electronic and print form, and we think this would be a great book to help you in your marriage to strengthen what you're doing, but it could also make a great gift if you're going to be going to a wedding and want to give something to a couple to help them get off on the right foot. And again, if you want the book, just go to marriagemissions.com. So until the next Marriage Insight podcast, we're Steve and Cindy Wright, hoping you'll make it your mission to reveal and reflect the heart of Christ within your marriage.